We are recording. We are live. Hi. We are live without the intro music. <laughs> Welcome to Beyond Words. Beyond Words, the worldwide global international edition. Man, we're, we're, we've gone global. We've gone global. It's crazy. I'm on the other side of the world right now. I know, man. This is, this is like, now we're professionals. Now that we're international. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we're international, so now it's more legit. <laughs> yeah, man. Well, where yeah, are you? Yeah, pretty cool. Well, I am in Berlin, Germany, like in the heart of the city of Berlin, uh, right smack in the middle of it. Uh, and we've been here, I guess, two and a half, almost three weeks now. Wow. And uh, yeah, man, what a, it's a, quite a dramatic change from Peru. <laughs> I can imagine. Uh, yeah, man. It's, um, so you already know this, but just for listeners, my wife and I decided to come to Europe just to, yeah, to explore possibility of moving here from Peru. So, so our first stop was Berlin and uh, tomorrow I'm rejoining my wife in, in Poland to visit her family there. And then we're going to go to Portugal. So we're kind of like feeling out this area and then we're going to feel out some area in Portugal near Lisbon uh, as potential places to live. So, and you're not you're not really feeling out Poland as a place to live at all, or no, totally not. No, uh, okay, <laughs> not, it's not in the cards. Uh, neither of us want to live in Poland. I mean, we want to visit our family and stuff, but uh, it's not yeah. an appealing place for us to live. It's just, yeah, this doesn't. It's not a fit. Um, Any ideas but, uh, of like where in Portugal or like what you know what you're yeah, looking well, for? We, we've um, we've got an Airbnb for a month for the whole month of September and we've rented a car for the month. Uh, and so we're going to explore a lot of areas. I mean, we're starting out this area called Sintra, which is probably an hour from Lisbon. So Lisbon being the biggest city, the capital. So it's kind of like, I mean, on the coast, like in the middle of Portugal on the coast. So Portugal is a narrow country, you know, uh, mm -hmm. but it's like kind of smack in the middle on the coastline. Sintra is like, yeah, the whole area is kind of there's a lot of surfing and uh, yeah it looks really beautiful there um i've spent time in portugal like in porto and lisbon and i love those places but uh we're kind of going to explore more like close enough to the city to have access to it but we don't really want to live in the city uh, right right and so yeah we're going to feel it out there portugal appeals to us just because we've heard good things we have some friends in the area um there's quite a lot in terms of like retreat venues for hosting retreats, uh, plant medicine, psychoactive plants are all like decriminalized. So it's a little easier to work in those realms in Portugal. Um, and it's pretty cheap uh, comparatively to like other parts of Europe. So, and the ocean is nice. So does Portugal uh, use the Euro? Yeah. Sorry, it's a strange question. Euro. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a good question. Yeah, they're yeah. Euro also, as is Germany. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, we've been in Berlin now for three weeks and it's been a bit of a roller coaster. Like, it's such a dramatic change. So, getting here was pretty intense. I mean, going from Wadan, where, where you are now, like the peace and quiet and the mountains to the heart of a city where you hear siren, sirens going by and like, uh, it's like, 
so many people in the streets and drunk people and crazy people and all types of people. Uh, and yeah, it just took a minute. Like the energy is super intense. You know, I used to really? love city. I lived in New York for a while and LA and I love the excitement of the city and the energy and all the people. But I realize now, um, it's not necessarily for me anymore. Although it's like a week into it here, I kind of adjusted to the vibe. It's like recalibrating. So I started to appreciate some things like as far as cities go, Berlin is pretty cool. It's got a lot of parks and pretty laid back vibe and really bicycle friendly. Um, Super clean so, too, right? Um, well, yeah, I guess it is clean compared to like most American cities, but right. Again, after living in the mountains, like, yeah, I noticed the trash of the city, you know. Um, it's, yeah. But yeah, it's Germany, and they do a pretty good job of like maintaining things and keeping things in order and clean. Um, hmm. So yeah, it's been quite a journey, man. I'm just kind of like, if we do make this move, I'm realizing the challenge that will be like basically I have to kind of reinvent myself. Mm. <laughs> like, uh, you know, the work I was doing in Peru, working for the retreat center, which at this point in time isn't even operating. I don't know if and when it will again. Yeah. Uh, so that work is gone. Uh, yeah, it's just like having to find myself in a totally new environment. And uh, I have no idea what I'm going to do, you know, thinking about working and all of that. And, um, yeah, I just don't know where it's going. And I'm uh, just trying to find peace with that. Like just this big unknown, totally out of my comfort zone, not knowing the language, you know, even though in Berlin you can get around pretty fine with English. Um, still, it's like, yeah, it's, it's uncomfortable, man. I'm just trying to embrace that. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Man, I got a question for you because, I mean, we really yeah. haven't spoken too much since you left. But um, yeah, <clears throat> I'm curious what it was like, you know, you – you basically came all the way back to Wadan from Africa, and that was such a journey in getting here. And and then you you know you retraveled out of here again. I just want to know like how how that felt for you. Like, was there any fear leaving again? Like, kind of like PTSD from the the prior trip, or? Huh, that's a good question. Um, I wouldn't say there was fear. There was more of just an overall kind of resistance and reluctance to leave again after like my wife, Marta was super excited to, to come back to Europe, which is more of her home. And she, you know, she'd been stuck in Wadan throughout the whole oh, thing. Yeah. yeah. And so she was really ready to go. And for sure, after the ordeal of getting from Africa back to Peru and everything involved in that, um, I was not excited about another journey in the middle of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't so much fear or like PTSD from that previous journey, just more like a reluctance. And, you know, I realized I was super resistant to this whole thing, but I was going along with it because it meant a lot to Marta. Right. Right. You know, and then getting here, it took some time to just kind of adjust and just start to open up to this possibility and be open to it. And um, it was only then that I started to appreciate it a bit more. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I think it's crazy that I've I've been on four different continents since the world went into lockdown. <laughs> and people and can barely people, even leave the place that they are right now. Currently. Exactly. Most <laughs> people can't even leave their city or their country. And right. I've somehow found myself between 
March 15th when everything locked down and now I found myself in Africa and North America, South America and Europe. Wow. So it's been interesting to observe like how different places are handling this and what it feels like. Um, and yeah. It's wild. I mean, yeah. And, and, and I've been thinking about this whole pandemic thing and, you know, even from the sounds of it here, it sounds like, international travel may not open until like mid or late 2021 and maybe you know we don't really know how that's going to look they've already they reclosed the airports here in general so even you know somebody six months down the road listening to this episode they still may not be mobile you know or be able to travel and it's like you've, you've already been to four continents <laughs> and <laughs> And, yeah. and during the, the midst of the, the peak of this crazy insanity here. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm curious, like, what is traveling like now? I, it has to have changed. It's almost like after 9-11 and how security measures have changed so much from then. And I'm sure they've changed even more now. Uh, I'm curious to hear what that's like. Well, I mean, I'm super, I mean, I feel super grateful that I actually can that I'm able to travel just based on like where my passport's from and being married to someone who has a specific passport from Europe. Uh, that's interesting. I mean, because a lot of people don't have this option. So I'm definitely, you know, I'm, I'm not taking it for granted. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, but you know what, man, it's the hardest country to travel into during the pandemic is when I got repatriated to Peru. Peru was like, Super really? strict, got off the plane, they're testing every, or they're taking everyone's temperature, and then they lock us in a hotel room for two weeks, couldn't leave. Wow. I, when I, we flew from Lima, Peru, to Amsterdam uh, three weeks ago, and coming from Peru, which according to the like world statistics and all the news sources, is like one of the most infected countries, and it's out of control there. And we land in Amsterdam, and like they don't even look at me twice. Like really? in Europe, in Europe, in Europe, they ask people to do a quarantine if they're coming from countries at risk, but there's no follow-up on it. They just trust people to do it. Like when we went through the passport control in Amsterdam, you know, I thought they were going to give me problems because I'm American, even though we had our wedding certificate and marriage certificate, which is enough to let me into the EU, into Europe. Um, but they just looked at it. He's like, welcome. Are you going to apply for residency? I said, probably. He's like, great. Enjoy your time here. And that wow. was it. There was no like asking about symptoms, no temperature taking, nothing. And so, wow. and then, so we just got our bags, walked through customs, no, no one even looked at us. And then we took the train to Berlin and yeah, it's just weird because coming from like well, Peru, first of all, which is just so strict and understandably so, I guess. Um, but it's like, it just made me realize here in Berlin, I don't know what other cities in Europe are like. I think a lot of them are kind of similar. It's pretty normal. It's like you wouldn't, the only way you know there's a pandemic happening is if you go into shops, like indoor shops, you have to wear a mask. But otherwise, like outside on the streets, the streets are busy. People are eating out at restaurants. No one's wearing masks anywhere. There's maybe one in 20 or one in, actually one in 50 people that I see on the street oh. are wearing a mask. Wow. And it's not like there's no COVID. It's, there's there's mm. apparently COVID here. Um, but I, yeah, I don't know. It's just, I also think that 
listen, man, I, you know, I know this is like, at least I know some people doubt whether this is a real virus. I'm pretty sure from what I've seen and heard from people that it is. And I also think that so much of this virus is determined by the media that people consume and listen to. And when I follow like American media, like mainstream coverage is just all about COVID and COVID this and COVID that and numbers. And, and in Peru, I'm pretty sure that the, the media that most people have access to, because most people like in rural areas don't really read internet news. Like they just listen to the radio yeah. mainly yeah. and watch TV. It's the same kind of thing. Whereas here, while I don't speak German, I just kind of monitoring a little bit the newspapers. They're not talking about it in that same way. It's almost like, I just wonder, like, maybe this thing is going around here too, just as much as anywhere else, but they're just not making a big deal out of it. Right. And as long as it's not overwhelming hospitals and maybe they're just, I don't know, this is just my theory. You know, maybe they're just quietly letting the whole, letting it go through the whole population where most people hardly notice it and will get some kind of immunity, you know, in the country. It's like, you know, Sweden is known to have gone that route. And I think apparently it's worked out pretty well. Um, but I don't know. It's just weird, man. It was really weird stepping into this world uh, and no one even asked twice. And we basically self-quarantined for two weeks. We like we didn't hang out with any friends. We went outside like to the park and stuff. But we really did try to respectfully keep our distance. Um, uh, but that's, you know, that's it. And here we are. And I don't know. No one no one here knows either what's going on. And it's funny, like in Berlin, uh, I think it was last week, there was a protest, right? This huge protest. Right. People were marching in the Capitol and they were, they were protesting about like their, their personal freedoms, uh, about wearing masks. And <laughs> my wife and I were joking. We're like, what are they protesting? Like they don't even, yeah, they, they're supposed to wear a mask on the subway and in the shop, but they're pretty much free to do anything here. And it's not a big <laughs> deal, but, but, uh, I guess that's, you know, this, there's a lot of history here in yeah. Berlin. It's like the history of Nazi Germany and then the Soviet Union and communism. So I think there's also in the population, there's a huge resistance to anything that remotely looks like any sort of infringement on their their personal freedom. And so they just like, so there's like this huge protest about, I think it was just about wearing masks in those certain areas. <laughs> it's like, the man, I'm like, these people should go to Peru and see what, you know, or, or other places and see what it, what their personal freedom is like, you know. And Wasn't it over a million party. people, too? Like, it was a, a the, massive protest. Oh, I, yeah, I didn't see the numbers. I'd be okay. surprised if it was a million, but I, I know it was, yeah, a lot of people from the images I saw. I didn't go to it. I, <laughs> I was trying to keep my distance. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's interesting, man. Um but yeah, I, I don't know what, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to think. I like, I don't know what I'm just kind of trying to figure out who I am in this context and like what I'm going to do. And I'm looking forward to going to Portugal too. But yeah. I'm really in this space of just feel like my whole reality has been, you know, kind of ripped out from under me. And now I'm like trying to find my, my footing <laughs> again. And of course, it's weird it's super weird so well yeah. i mean it's just it's wild to hear what's happening else in other i mean and happening in other countries 
even here in Peru, like I don't really know what's going on in Europe. Sure, I have friends on Facebook that are living there, but you know, we get like a fraction of things through the global news or whatever. But it's not a real picture of what's happening on the ground. You know, for example, with the with the protest, we heard it was a million people march against like the infringement of freedom, uh, uh, mm. whatever that's happened. Like it sounded like there were terrible atrocities happening in Berlin or sorry, Germany, and the people were just tired of it. It's like, what's what's actually happening and how much I know, we, man, you right. know, we being spoon fed by the media. And like, what would it be like for a Peruvian to hear that in Berlin? Yeah, the virus is there, but this is how they're living and everyone's okay. Yeah, totally, totally. It's it's fascinating, man. And, you know, the same thing, like, like with the States, you know, especially when the protests were really bad and there was a lot of violence in the streets and people tearing down statues. And yeah. in my mind, in my mind, it was like the whole U.S is like up in flames and chaotic. But I'm pretty sure if we were there in 95% of places, we wouldn't even see or be aware of that going on unless we read about it. So it's like everything is made to seem so crazy and dramatic. But again, the media is just like only showing and I guess it's naturally just like, like mosquitoes are drawn to the light. Like they're just, showing the loudest thing that's happening. And, and because that's the only way we know what's going on in the world, it makes it seem like there's this crazy shit happening in this country when in, in fact, it's not at all what it seems. And for the most part, like life continues like pretty oh, normally, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And well, it's like here. Yeah. It's yeah. the same thing here in Peru. It's, you know, I'm hearing things from locals that here, you know, in Cusco, it's super bad and awful and, but then I had friends, you know, who are in Cusco and they're like, no, oh, everyone's still going out and people seem pretty fine. It's not, nothing's really changed. So it's, yeah. it's interesting. It's just how much I've even personally fallen into this, like almost being manipulated by what I see and believing it to some extent, whether I fully believe it or not. I, I don't know. It depends on the thing. But, you know, I, I don't know what it's like in Europe. I, I still, in my mind, I'm still seeing how Spain was when this first started or how Italy was. And it was just a mess and everyone's locked in their houses and nothing is yeah. normal. It's so I really, I have no idea. I, I can't. <laughs> well, I, now totally, I do. Man. Now I do. Yeah. Well, you, well, you have a live report from downtown Berlin at least. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, same thing. I mean, I had the images I remember is it was like, I was already in Africa and it just, the whole thing was going off and, there was like footage from the streets of Paris where it was just like trash in the streets and the streets are mostly empty except for cops, like yelling at people to go home. And it was just so Armageddon. Like it was like, it was, I was like, Oh my God, the world is ending, you know? And yeah. Meanwhile though, I talked to my friends who are in France around that same time, we did a video call and they live in a rural like village and they're like, it's great. We're just walking around <laughs> in nature and we can go to the shop to buy food. It's fine. You know? So, uh, apparently Berlin, like Berlin is kind of a rebellious city. People say like, mm. and even when stuff was at its peak, people were still kind of just going about their business. Like no one, like that's the one thing that like, kind of has grown on me in the city is it's you can tell it's a, the city is kind of rebels and just people want to 
they want to do what they want. And it seems like personal freedom is like a big thing here. So like I was in the park the other day riding my bike and like I, I'm riding on the path and right on the path in front of me is like a, a Muslim family. And this woman's like fully decked out in a burqa, like covered. And then just behind her in the grass is like a new bunch of naked, totally naked people, like German. A lot of them love nudism. It's a public park <laughs> and there's like just naked people everywhere. So you see everything here, man. It's really fascinating. Wow. Well, I'm, it's like I'm kind of living through you vicariously right now as I'm sitting here in the same spot I've been sitting in for eight months now. <laughs> well, dude, man, that's a great spot. And like, I already knew how great it is there. Mm. Uh, and, and coming here is definitely just like mm, kind of just rekindled that the things I appreciate about that place and you know, nothing I, I like the small community of friends where we're within walking distance of each other. Like that's super amazing. Uh, being able to walk outside and see the most beautiful mountain and just breathe this fresh air and um, just that community aspect. Yeah. There's things that aren't convenient there and that are difficult, but I mean, no matter where I go, I, I find there's issues and there's pluses and minuses. And I mean, in coming here, obviously, it's about as dramatically different as it can be from Peru. So yeah. I, I hope to find a happy medium. I mean, and who knows, maybe we don't end up moving, but um, I'd like to find still have like community and fresh air. And I don't think living in the heart of the city is for me. It's fun to hang out and eat some good food for a few days, but mm. it's intense, man. <laughs> I believe it. I mean, you really, <clears throat> you came from like the countryside in the middle of Peru to one of the largest cities in Europe. You know, it's not a, <laughs> it's a very big yeah. transition. Um, Huge transition. But man, you, you touched I, on something like super powerful though. Like <clears throat> the fact that you have this opportunity to reinvent yourself. Yeah. And yeah, I'm trying to, trying to keep seeing it as an opportunity, not as like a fucking scary, scary thing yeah i mean but it's kind of a it's kind of a global thing right now i mean in general <clears throat> i think a lot of us are trying to figure out what in the hell we're gonna do if this continues or if you know if the world is very different when we leave this i know i am personally um are you like what are you thinking like are you guys thinking yeah like what are you thinking that like Peru wouldn't be a long-term option if this continues or like, the, where are the, you at with it? Well, the challenge is, is that our, our business, you know, relies heavily on international travel and local mail, uh, one to get medicine here and then two to get people here. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's, we, we're really living in the unknown right now as far as like, okay, like we have enough, medicine right now for maybe another three months and then after that i'm gonna have to right. figure out something else to do for work in the meantime um yeah and it's not <clears throat> not as a negative thing i mean i love the work that i do but it's now like okay i know that i need money to live and i need to start exploring a broader spectrum of options as far as what i can do and that may include something that's very far out of what i actually do now and and I'm I'm okay with that in the meantime, um, yeah. Because I have a feeling 
you know, it'll be a temporary thing. I have a feeling for that, that work. I, I want to come back to this and I want to keep doing this, but I don't want to leave any kind of option out or ignore an option. Like I could be a mechanic or I don't know, but yeah, it's, yeah, it's definitely on my mind a lot and it's getting more in my mind as things kind of continue in the same pace, especially here in Peru with the airport shutting down. They just shut national travel down again. Um, and we still have no word on when international travel will really actually open. Yeah. So, I mean, within that, it's it's just being aware of, yeah, my life may change. My, my job may change as far as how I make money. I hope to maintain some semblance of, you know, I will always maintain some semblance of this spiritual path within my life. But I may have to, in the meantime, take a break from this as, as a job. Which yeah. is, it's, it's, it's crazy to think about because I've changed so much of my life to be here, to do this, just like you, you've done so much in your life to be here, to focus on this kind of work. And it's like a large portion of that work that actually kept food on our tables and that roof over our heads is really gone out the window. Totally, man. So yeah, I hear you, dude. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's uh, but I think that's a really important point that is something I'm trying to just remember is, you know, even if I completely change how I earn money, it doesn't it doesn't mean that it, I have to go off of my you know quote unquote my path you know and like mm -hmm. I can still live a life of intention and um, just learning and growing and evolving and yeah so I. I, I guess, like you said, a lot of people in the world right now are in this position. And, you know, for me, it's, it, yeah, it's a real like gut check. I mean, it, the, the, I, I've moved around a lot in my life, you know, before Peru, I moved from city to city, but there was a kind of a, a continuation in terms of what I was doing for work. I was working in the restaurant industry, you know, and, and for a lot of it. And, didn't really think about that part was kind of easy. I could go from one city to the next in the U S or, and just find a job easily. And that was that. Um, but now after six years in Peru and working in that world of plant medicine and then coming here and, and even, you know, even when things go back to normal or somewhat normal here and everywhere else, the plant medicine thing, I, I, I think it'll continue to be a part of my life on some level, but I don't see it being, you know, what I do for a, the majority of my income or for a living. It's just not, all right, we're recording again. Oh, we got cut off there. Um, so yeah, just total reinvention of myself. And yeah, it's, it's a crazy, crazy place to be. And, um, you know, I am really grateful and I feel blessed that uh, over the past few years, like we've, been able to save some money so that you know i have a little bit of time to sort of find myself and i'm not in a desperate place where we have to go live with our parents or you know just find the first job i can find but it's 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 pretty daunting for me um but i accept it and i i want to be excited about it you know i it's it's just a crazy time and I'm trying not to let these stories get in my head about this is the worst time to try to find a job, the economy shit, blah, blah, blah. I think there are actually a lot of opportunities. Like 
such as what we're doing right now. Like, you know, we continue this, who knows, you know, it'd be cool if we could do this full time, you know, or absolutely. Um, uh, but the internet, you know, people are online more than ever now and that's not going to change. So my wife is doing, she does like online, like mentoring sessions and that's going really well for her. So right. I think, I think it's a time to really get creative and I'm sure that you'll, you'll find something that's really fulfilling and awesome. And maybe it's through a medium through the internet, you know, maybe do remote work or whatever it is, but um, that's cool because you can still be in Peru and do that. And, you know, I know things will go back to, to normal. Peru is, has a huge incentive to get flights going again. And they know that. And the government knows that. I mean, so much of Peru, Peru's economy depends on tourism. So, um, you know, I, yeah, I know it'll, it'll start, but it might take a while to get the engines going again, like to get the momentum going with people coming. But, you know, I think more than ever after all this happens, my feeling is that people are going to want plant medicine and healing more than ever. I think mm -hmm. uh, uh, there's, been, there's a lot of people just soul searching right now. Um, and all the uncertainty that this brought, I think there will be a, a time where people really want to integrate this in a really positive and supportive way. And plant medicine is one option that's really good for that kind of work, that kind of personal work. So, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I feel within the, the entirety of this COVID uh, pandemic or whatever you want to call it, <laughs> I, I'm not really sure what it is anymore. Yeah. But uh, during the, this whole process, it really, it, it felt like a trauma um, towards the people. Not like, I'm not saying a, in a conspiratorial sense, but it was quite traumatizing in how things shut down. There's this massive fear that immediately spiked because there's this new deadly virus that could kill you, you know, whatever. And so absolutely, I think, I mean, globally, even personally, I feel that a lot of people are soul searching. Um, I know as this has continued, like I feel like I've been becoming more uh, persistent and uh, active in my spiritual practices, not necessarily to like, gain something but just kind of seeing how um plastic the world is and how easy it was for this our whole world to fall to pieces i mean it's, right. it's still going it's still going i'm not saying it's falling to pieces but from my perspective it seemed like it did it you know totally I don't, I don't really know what's happening in the rest of the world personally but um and yeah. this is this is tiny compared to previous events that have thrown the world into disarray I mean, this is like nothing. It's so, it really shows, to me, it shows how fragile all these systems are and governments and these things that we take for granted is like, you know, the government's got our back and going to take care of us. But it's like, that's not true. I mean, the government's made up of fragile human beings who have, you know, are just as clueless as everyone else, it seems. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, and I mean, when I say this is nothing, it, sure, it's a significant event, but. It's, it's it's not that deadly of a virus and it, it's this tiny invisible thing uh <laughs> what happens when you know uh an asteroid hits the earth or or we have a much deadlier virus or uh a super volcano yellowstone blows up you know <laughs> all these potentials and uh if there's a blessing in this and i think there are many but 
I, I think it's important for us to realize the 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 fragile nature of of our our existence, our life. Mm-hmm. Um, this illusion of certainty that things are the way they are and they'll continue to be that way is kind of blown out of the water. And um, I think a lot of people are kind of shaken shaken into reality by this. If, if we're willing to to really face it, I think it's a huge wake up call, and it's it's hard, but I I I think it's it can bring it, it's bringing me a little bit closer to what I sense is more of a truthful understanding of my life and existence and and just the fragile delicate nature of life and and how that tiny little thing through the world the world's economy is upside down uh businesses are failing just based on this little virus that has a pretty low death rate (laughs) yeah fuck man yeah Which, which makes it a bit strange i don't know that's where i start scratching my head especially when i'm hearing about berlin i'm like Wow, really? Is this we're interacting like this with the rest of the world? Well, you know, while the rest of the world is doing it like this, and no one really knows how to actually handle the virus, uh, except virologists. But we don't want to listen to them in this case because I don't know why. It's there's a lot of strange factors within this. Yeah, even on well, a we, personal level. Oh, go ahead. No, no, I was just saying uh, virologists. We all, media only wants to listen to the doomsday scenario virologists, the ones that. <laughs> they perceive this to be so terrible. Right. <laughs> that's the, that's the danger in it. And and yeah. man, it's it's brought on a personal scale. It's brought the fragi- the fragility of like what I thought was very solid in my life as far as like, oh, I have a great job and, you know, I'm doing well in my work, like it feels like it's going to continue. Oh, and this next year looks promising and just to see it all just literally wiped away. You know, I, I, and then who knows, you know, like maybe next year I'll have to move out of this house. I don't know. And, and to be aware of like, I got to stop believing in a certainty in the material world. You know, I was sold that for so long. It's like, oh yeah. And, and in some senses I learned that and that's why I came to plant medicine. But apparently I, I didn't fully understand that. Uh, and to see it kind of dissolve in front of my eyes is, is powerful. And so I was asking like, what's, what's going to last when all of this disappears, when normal commerce disappears. And I think one thing is what, what will people need is, uh, food and healing. You know, those are huge, huge parts of this whole thing. So I think we'll be in good business you know and not not that i want not that i want people to be sick but it's it's kind of coming with the territory uh throughout this whole process of covid mm-hmm. and and the confusion piece for me on a personal level is like what i shared with you in the beginning of the podcast which was having this this mirror telling me oh you know over there it's really 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 bad and look there's protests and riots and they're burning everything and all the statues are being torn down and maybe that's true but that's all i see and so of course some aspect of myself wants to believe what i can't see here presently i want to believe what they're telling me Mm -hmm. so it's been a i think the confusion piece is, is messing with a lot of people's heads and I see that with the locals here is like, man, I've had 15 locals tell me different stories of what the government has said and what's going to happen to Peru. 
within these next two weeks to six months. So I, it's like, I just, it's kind of nice just to sit in my seat and listen to the river, I guess. Yeah, because that's the only <laughs> the only truthful speak you're gonna get is the river sound, <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, yeah. It's it's so strange. I I uh, I decided to drink some San Pedro the other day in the middle of the city. I, awesome. I just wanted to try it out, and uh, and man, well, I don't know why I'm bringing that up, other than I learned that. I was reminded how important like set and setting are and the city's not the place. <laughs> like people people do ayahuasca here and but they do it at night, obviously in an apartment and it's set up and it's okay. I think that that, that can work. Uh, but drinking San Pedro in the daytime, I tried to go to like a park near our apartment and no one cares what anyone's doing, but just having people like walk right by me and seeing like broken glass in the in the like in the woods, in the park. It was just like, ah, uh, so I, I couldn't handle it. So I came home, I like rented a scooter, like rode the scooter back here in, on, in the midst of a strong, it was much stronger than I expected. Um, yeah, it was just, <laughs> it was weird, man. It's going back uh, to episode one and two, man. Set and setting. Set and setting. Yeah. Another reminder. Um, and I just really felt just the, the nature of the city energy just, it's just so strong that it, it was hard to just kind of sit and be internal in the process. Even when I was alone in the apartment, it was, it was just, uh, just so much busy, buzzy energy. And um, so I look forward to trying it out in a more like in the forest. There's some really beautiful lakes and forests around here. So we'll see how it goes. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it was interesting. <laughs> Man, I, I need to recommend to you um, this graphic novel by one of my favorite authors. I think I brought him up before. His name is Grant Morrison. Uh, he wrote this graphic novel called The Invisibles. And he's, I mean, Grant Morrison is a huge psychonaut. He's into magic. He's into all these, like, astral projecting. And, uh, but he wrote this, this um, uh, graphic novel called The Invisibles. <clears throat> And it's very much like the Matrix. Definitely get it. It's strange, and it bends your mind in a bunch of different directions. But this guy is in London. One of the main characters is in London, and he meets this old homeless man who teaches him the magic of cities. It's like uh, here in the jungle, we you know we we know each tree has its own specific specific medicine or magic or whatever. It has its own uh, function, so to speak. Well, so do cities. Cities have just as much magic. It's just very different. And as I was hearing you tell me the story about being in that psychedelic and very magical space in a city, it's, there's a, a great part in the first book where the man makes one of this guy's teachers makes him smoke DMT, this mold, in the middle of the sewer. And then they go out <laughs> and he teaches them. He teaches them about the city and the magic of cities and what they actually can do and it's it's really cool. I, I just and I'm not saying for people out there who are taking psychedelics in the city, it's not <laughs> the greatest experience ever, but it definitely helped change my perspective on cities. Um, yeah, sure. And maybe like try and view it with a little twist of magic instead of just because I, I I honestly hate cities. I I'm very very bad at cities. I don't like large crowds, but. 
if I can have this filter of, of seeing the magic in it, it definitely opens that spectrum a bit more for me. So I, I definitely recommend that, that graphic novel to I'll you. Check it and, out. Oh man, it's, it's absolutely incredible. And to like our listeners, uh, there's only four books. It's pretty quick, but it's like, it's a very magical journey. And within his journey, so him creating this book, he actually did a sigil. Did we ever talk about sigils? Uh, no, I don't think so. Do you know about sigils? Isn't a sigil like a like a sign, like a a graphic depiction for a family, like the family? That's you know. a like a family crest. Oh yeah, a crest. Yeah, I was thinking of crest. Well, a sigil is like it's very basic magic that anyone can do. Basically, you take a piece of paper and you write down this my will to find ten dollars tomorrow. Uh -huh. You take out all the vowels and all the repeating words, and then you start to use those remaining letters to create an image. And as you create an image, you charge this image by either masturbating and staring at it. Sexual orgasm is the best way to charge it or extreme fear or extreme boredom or meditation. And it works. It actually draws that thing into your life in a very organic way. Well, Grant Morrison teaches you how to do a sigil in that book, but he also he says he created this book by making the sigil. He painted all over his body the, the words of his sigil, the image of the sigil, and then jumped off a bridge and did bungee jumping and scared the That's shit out of himself. That's how he made the sigil, which is how he made the book The Invisibles. Wait, so, so you make an image out of the remaining letters? Like That's you correct. Just write yeah. Them down? Yeah. And he, you, you, that's hilarious. You masturbate. You are that's one option. It's, a, it it's an option. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the fastest and it's the most pleasurable uh, option. I mean, you can have sex with your partner and you can paint it on their chest or anything. But yeah, you'll make this. You'll simplify the words until you get just these non-repeating vowels. Or sorry, consonants. You make an image out of it. You make it like super magical looking. You put little circles all over it, whatever. I don't care. And then you focus on it and you do one of these things and it works. Like if you want to draw something into your life, it works. Wow, so maybe actually, I'll do that and I have to wait for a job. <laughs> do it. I, I'm serious. Try it. It's not, I don't do want it. you to believe me. I, I want you to try it. Yeah. Because that's, that's the power of these things. It's like, it's, it's actually, it's just science. I don't know how it works, but it works. I guess it's, I mean, my rational mind says it works because you're just reinforcing a really strong intention by, by doing the work of engraving that intention into the mind. I mean, creating an image and having sex with it or whatever it is. I mean, yeah, it's just creating a really, really strong ingrained intention that by its nature must be answered, fulfilled. Because you've given so have much you ever tried it? into it. Yeah, I have. And it works. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So huh, I'm going to have to play with that. Maybe absolutely. that's a new, new path to explore. I've never really been on the path of, at least not knowingly, of um, magic. Man, you're absolutely on the path of magic. You're like yeah, on the natural magic. path of magic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Interesting, man. And that's how he wrote the book 
Okay. That's how he, yeah, he wrote the book that way. And what was interesting is he, he, there's a whole interview by Grant Morrison about the creation of this graphic novel. And basically, since this novel was created through magic, the novel itself became magic. So, for example, he tells a story of how the main character or his character that was symbolized after him was called King Mob and how King Mob got an illness, uh, uh, necrotizing fasciitis, so like a flesh-eating bacteria. And so he wrote in the graphic novel the cure for the illness and his illness disappeared. Wow. Just, it vanished. So he, he did that same thing with attracting women into his life. So he was looking, there's this one specific character who he loved and she was like the image of exactly the kind of woman he wanted. And so he drew her into the book. And so immediately after he did that, she came into his life. And then another woman wow. came into his life like that woman and another one and another one and another one. So it's crazy. It's, wow. it's the act that's, of creation. Yeah, totally. That's amazing, man. That's cool, man. You know, all the coolest books. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just get lost in exploration of, I don't know. I love, I love magic. I love um, just, I love understanding more of what the mind can do. And it's just the mind. It has nothing to do with like some mystical process. It's science ultimately, but mm -hmm. it's just learning how to utilize <clears throat> the unconscious, the subconscious and whatever that touches. Cause we really don't know mm -hmm. anything about those parts. Hmm. This is like a, a prime time for me to try something like this. <laughs> a prime opportunity. Yeah. I guess first I need to get clear on what I want, which is, that's where I'm, I'm sitting in the world of confusion. Like, I don't even know what I want right now. <laughs> right. So, uh, uh, getting clear on that. It's like changing venues just completely brought to the surface, all this stuff. It's not like this wasn't existing for me before we came here, mm -hmm. but in Wadan in the comfort of my home. And I was just kind of able to not really pay attention to it and just go about my routine, even though it was clear, I didn't have much of a, like I was confused about my path. And so now being here, it's really come to the surface and I, I don't know, I feel this pressure that I'm putting on myself, I think, um, to like figure it out and find a way. And uh, so, yeah, I really need to remember to use these kind of tools, you know, and I find it's easy to be so distracted, especially in the city, to, to forget about all these things, uh, mm -hmm. forget about the tools and everything that I've learned along the way um, in the city environment, which is just so full of uh, distractions and uh, food, different restaurants to eat at. And, and in Germany, like in Berlin, everyone's drinking beer all the time, like on the streets, he's walking around with beers throughout the day. Wow. <laughs> yeah. There's no like, there's no like, rule against drinking beer on the street openly and so uh and there's a lot of good ice cream here too um, oh yeah it's, it's really good um but yeah just the distractions of the city and and also just the, the distraction of being in a new foreign environment and absolutely um noticing everything that's different and and yeah just finding my identity within this totally feels like a totally different dimension it's crazy well yeah i mean i think the challenge is is doubly is double for you especially because 
not only do you have this opportunity to explore your your being pushed into this place of having to explore yourself and see what you really want, but you're also in a brand new environment and there's a desire to actually explore that new environment as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's like, what do I focus on? It's, it's challenging. I can look at the external world and, and focus on that and the exploration there, or I can figure out what's happening or I can explore the inner world. It's, it's just, you have so many options and that's, that's a power mm-hmm. of cities, I think in general the power of cities and the power of the new environment and and it it's almost like i I think part of not knowing what to do or what i'm going to do is i don't even know what the options are like i don't know what i can do or what what's available for me to do here in terms of uh of work and something that's fulfilling and exciting and um so yeah it's, it's it's a whole lot of stuff that i think it's really important to you know, I can even just work with an intention of finding what it is and maybe I can make a sigil out of that. Just That's perfect. You know, getting yeah. answers to appear in my life and, and direction and signs. And, um, you know, I've been walking around just kind of in the back of my head just with the intention of like seeing answers, seeing signs wherever I go. And, mm. uh, but I don't think I've created that intention strongly enough because I, or I haven't noticed these signs because I'm just so distracted by all the novelty. You know, mm-hmm. I spent a lot of days just renting a bike and riding a bike around and just exploring kind of openly. And now yeah, we'll see where it goes. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I forgot I to mention something with up. the sigil for you and for oh, yeah, people. Go ahead. Uh, once you're done with the sigil, you have to forget about it. You have to completely forget about it. So you usually like burn the paper that the sigil was on and just like completely forget that you ever made a sigil because that's actually how it, it sneaks back into your life. It's, it, I, it's strange. I, I don't know how that works. Okay. 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 So, so again, just to go over the process, I write down what I want. So I would write, if, like, would she use the 10, $10 bill example or here, 10 Perfect. euro. Yeah. So I want to find a 10 euro bill. You write and it. So I, this, I write this, that down. this, my will, this, my will, this, this my will mm-hmm. like this instead of this is my will i write this my will you can add is it sounds more magical with this my will this my will yeah it's like a declaration <laughs> this yeah. my will this my yeah. will to find a 10 euro bill perfect and then i i take that i remove all the vowels yep i, I remove any repeating words first any repeating and consonants any repeat, oh, just any repeating. Oh, so this my will to find. So, for example, I know the T would be in there multiple times. So I remove all those repetitive T's. Um, and you keep one. So you just you'll you'll make a note at the bottom. So okay, there's a T, but I don't use any of the other T's. There's an H. I put that down there, and I know there's no other H's. There's a W. Mm-hmm. There's no other W's. Okay. There's a, and you just put a note down, so you have you'll have a remaining stream of just random consonants. Like T H W L and then whatever your will is. So to find D dollar, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you'll put that, you'll note those down at the bottom and then you'll use those letters and you'll create a symbol with those letters. So you'll draw them all in kind of one form. Mm-hmm. And then you can do it again and draw them in more, more magical form. And you can remove some of the really present letters that you can be like, Oh, that's definitely an N or a G or whatever. And just keep keep designing it until it looks very much like a, a weird creature or a being. Okay. Okay. 
and then work on it sexually or do something that scares me with it. Or meditate. You can meditate and be super, super. You have to get really, really bored. I mean, so bored that it's like, and you have to be staring at the sigil either at the peak of orgasm or during the whole masturbation process. Um, when you're getting super scared, you have to be staring at the, the sigil or, uh, you know, when you're really bored, you just stare at the sigil forever. And then eventually, okay, yeah. And then as it starts to ingrain into your eyes, you'll blink and you'll see it making lines in your, in your, behind your eyes, just the imprint. And so as you hit the peak of whatever it is, you'll throw that image in from your mind way out into space and then you'll burn the paper and then you'll forget about it. Okay. And then see what happens. Wow. This is exciting, man. <laughs> I have a mission. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I, I think, you know, the, there's so much woo woo and weirdo nonsense around magic and this idea and this word, but you know, like magic is, is actually just a way of being. And it's a, it's a way of like expressing into the world, which is like why I said like this, my will, you know, if you act like, I don't know, some magician, for some reason, nature mirrors that even more or respects that even more. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure why I, even your mind does. So if you put like a cloak on and you put a fucking hat on and you wear the whole garb and you, and you set up candles and you make it seem like you're doing a whole mystical thing. It, it's even stronger. It's like we create the own, our own meaning and our own magic within magic. If that makes sense. Yeah, that, that does make sense. I mean, to me, it makes total sense. And by wearing a cloak, I don't have a cloak, but, but by, by adding some elements to it, it just reinforces the strength of setting that intention. It's just like a ceremony. I mean, you know, I think there's a different feel to a ceremony where it's just haphazardly set up and just in an apartment and you don't light any incense, you don't do anything versus something where you really create an atmosphere. I mean, that, that really does make a difference. So, you know, that, that would apply in this case, too. I don't see why not. I, I get it. Totally get it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like having spent all that time in the world of plant medicine, the sh sh shamanic world, like all these things make sense to me not from a like a wishful thinking perspective but they really do logically seem like of course that would work mm -hmm. it's all about framing a really strong and clear intention i think all these rituals that you've mentioned are just a way to to really strengthen the intention to the point that it's impossible for it to not be fulfilled it right. totally makes sense to me and man as you stand at the doorstep of the unknown internally and externally it's like man you have this opportunity like Grant Morrison to write a whole new story for yourself. And man, the biggest challenge I had when I was first found out about sigils and like what I wanted to bring into my life is I exactly like you said, I didn't know what I wanted. I had no idea what I actually really wanted from life. If I could ask anything from life, what would I actually ask of it? And I think that's the door that magic opens us to is, the possibility of bringing, if we have the possibility of bringing anything into our life, what actually will we bring into our life? Yeah. And it seems like that would be an easy question to answer, but then when I sit with it, it's, yeah, it's a challenging one. I, and I also don't want to just haphazardly play with something like this. I really want it to mean something. And so 
to get really clear. And so, so like when you do this, is there a time frame that you're that it's gonna you're expecting it to happen? Could it be five years from now or tomorrow? I mean, is it? So within your sigil, you can write a time frame. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, it can be a part of the intention. So I would like to call um, five hundred dollars into my life in the next three months. Mm-hmm. It, it's better the more simple it is. So, but um, yeah, it's better within the the first if you create a time frame too, because that way you can start to verify what you've done. I recommend for your very first sigil, uh, doing something really simple that you can draw into your life. Um, mm-hmm. and just seeing how it works and verifying it. And once you see it works, the bigger, the bigger sigils or the more serious sigils actually work even better. It's like, you really have to believe in the power right. of these as well. I mean, you don't really have to, it's, it's science. It's going to work, but the belief in it and seeing it, it works, makes it even it reinforces it. I, yeah, I suppose it's really important that I believe it's possible because, you know, the question I would ask is, okay, so the first time I do it, I'm going to say, I want to have $1 million appear in my life in the next hour. And <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't doubt that that's possible, but if I'm doing that and if I were to do that now, I, I would be too skeptical about it for it to actually work. Absolutely. And so I have to do something that's in the realm of what I believe can work and is possible. And, and, to me, $500 in the space of a month is much more like if I do that, I'm fully invested. Like I know it's possible and there's no part of my mind that's being like, well, it doesn't happen. Exactly. Whereas a million dollars in the next hour, my mind's going to be like, it's not going to happen, dude. That's exactly. Like At least for now, if I keep proving this works, you know, who knows? But uh, <laughs> You become really good at it and then you can do stuff like Grant Morrison where he actually was affecting reality almost in real time just by writing his novel, which is it just, it's, that's a amazing. It's absolutely fundamentally amazing. Yeah, totally. And do you think that the intention has to be something that, I don't know, is aligned with my, like something deeper and some deeper, higher purpose for myself. So like, if I just go straight to, I don't know, I guess something that my heart gets, excited about rather than my mind or, or right. you know so, something that maybe will bring good to other people or um, to myself and other people rather than just some selfish desire um that I, I doesn't think, matter oh go ahead sorry no no, no. i just saw you nodding so i'm just oh. curious what you can you still see me Sorry. Yeah, dude, I'm 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 watching your every move, bro. Okay, I'm just I just see myself in the camera, so I really have no idea if you're still there. Um, yeah, uh, I I think within this realm of magic, I think we start tapping into the understanding that the world is infinitely abundant, and so mm-hmm. it, you're tapping into your own stores of what you deserve from the world if you believe that and i and i don't think it's selfish by actually drawing things that you need into your life to yourself even if it mm-hmm. sounds like you know i want to draw um five hundred dollars into my life in the next couple of weeks because i need to pay bills you don't have to write that because i need to pay bills but just to draw that into your life that that's okay that's your right it's your right to utilize your will to bring things into your life uh the the place with sigils the and the warning I give is you can never affect somebody else's 
don't ever use it to affect someone else's life. Got it. Yeah. So to like work against their own free will. Yeah. Cause that's, uh, that's where I feel things really step into black magic is when you start affecting other people's lives and changing things in their world. I, I, I just, that's not my right in any form, shape or whatever, unless it's asked of us, you know? So, uh, yeah, that's the only time I feel like it, it gets into a selfish realm or a black magic realm. Other than that, I, I suggest just trying it on something simple. Draw something into your life and then just just really notice. But be, yeah, just be aware of you're going to draw something into your life. And it's going to come in yeah. a very strange way because it's coming through the universe. Right, okay. Okay, so one more time, I write down... Uh, um, it, what do I say? I, it's my will. No, this, my will, this, my will. my will. And I write down the intention and then I re remove all the vowels and any repeating consonants. And then from those remaining letters, I create an image that resembles something. And then I stare at it while either doing something fearful or through a sexual orgasm. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. then I burn burn the paper and let it go and to reinforce it i can create an atmosphere i can wear a cloak or light a candle uh something like that okay absolutely i'm gonna I'm, I'm i'm excited man cool cool got some homework yeah got some homework before our next recording absolutely and just yeah you're gonna i don't know I, it's something we always believe as kids i think to an extent at least i did that magic was real and it's evolved over time as I've worked with the medicine and as I've matured and whatever, I still believe in magic. Absolutely. And I know it's real, but I, I see it more in a scientific sense. Um, as it's just, you do a, B and C and you'll get D, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And this is something that shows you that you can do that. And it's, it kind of expands further into other types of magics that people can do for themselves personally. Um, but maybe we'll talk about that after you try the sigil and you actually get to explore and see what this does. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to do it and uh, I'll report, like I'll do it before our next recording. So if we record in a week, um, I'll do, I'll do something by then, something simple and uh, I'll report back. I mean, who knows? Maybe I'll try to do something. I don't know. We'll just see what happens, what comes out. And uh, yeah, I really appreciate this, dude. You're, you're a great teacher. Well, it's just fun. It's fun to share with friends, like what we can do with the world and, and how the world is actually very malleable. Mm -hmm, totally. As my teacher would say, todo es mental. Everything, <laughs> everything is mind. Everything is mental. So absolutely. We're working from that place. Thanks for the reminder, man. That I think that's like, I'm glad I have you there to just help me keep one foot in that world because, uh, yeah, in this kind of environment, especially right now as we travel around, like I, it's so easy for me to kind of lose it, so or step out of it. But you know, I've organized a San Pedro ceremony uh, in a few weeks, and I have like ten people. So you know, awesome. continuing in this work, yeah, um, that's great, man. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Um, it's not legal here in Germany, so I'm not going to say where I'm doing it, but. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, I, I want to continue with plant medicine for sure. I just don't know how, how that's going to look, but 
you know, it's interesting, you know, with this ceremony that, that I organized, like I was starting to organize it, but I know I was really blocked around it. I was kind of doubtful about doing it and even being able to do it, how it's going to be. And then a few days and I wasn't really, nobody was signing up. And then a few days ago, I just made peace with it. And I, I got excited about it within myself and saw the possibility of it and saw people in it. And then everybody signed up. So wow. you know, more evidence more evidence of that mental aspect is it's like, you know, we can, all the doors can be open just within. And once they open within and we accept the possible, the possibilities is real, then um, we open the way for, for, for it to happen. So, um, so, so yeah, that's cool, man. And, and I, yeah, again, I appreciate it. I'm really glad we talked because uh, talking to you just helped remind me of that. It's so, so funny how it changes scenery can lead me to just forget all these aspects, you know, just being in this ma very material place where just such a different way that people have of living. And, but all these things that I've learned and continue to be true, it's just, I forget them. So Maybe that's why we're doing it international, man. That's right. Just, yeah. You know, we're just sharing both worlds. Cause man, I have no idea what the hell is happening in other parts of the world. You're like my eyes and, I, I want to travel, so you're like my traveling spirits, <laughs> my wandering spirit brother. Yeah, cool, man. And I never want to, like, I want Peru to always be a part of me. So, so right now you're my, you're my Peru, you're my foot in Peru. Yeah, man. I'm your, I'm your roots here in Peru. You know, representing. Yeah. Uh, say hi to, say hi to the beautiful mountains for me, Picasirai. I will. And, I'll actually uh, show it to you so you can see. Cool. Uh, you know. Uh, when I drank San Pedro here in the city the other day, oh, there it is, beautiful. Oh, is it? I was, oh, uh, yeah, I was just like feeling that mountain, man. I was calling on it, I was singing to it, and like Pitisirai was in Berlin. Wow, <laughs> I swear, man, pretty, <laughs> pretty powerful. I spent so much time with that mountain, staring at it, that it's totally engraved itself into my being, you know. And uh, wow. it was, it's, that's also well, you cool. It's like. I realize I can call upon that land and like really feel it here too whenever I need it. So, yeah, it's never left you. I no. mean, it's definitely a part of you. It's, yeah. And man, I don't know if you remember, but you're actually the person that introduced me to Pitusirai. Oh, cool. Because <laughs> we did a San Pedro ceremony with you and Marta that one time. Yeah. 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 So, thank uh, you. Uh, well, it, man thanks to Pikusirai and yeah amazing and I don't know when like at least I'm going to come back to Peru no matter what happens at least I'm coming back uh probably be there for a few months if we decide to move just to get things ready to move so um I'll see you yeah I look forward to being back yeah I'll see you there again and we can go up go up that mountain <laughs> sweet man I'd love it cool awesome well, great, Ooh. man. It's been, uh, it's, I'm glad this works. It's, it works actually pretty damn good. Next time yeah. we can get, uh, get it working so you can see my face too, but uh, it's good to see your face, dude. Yeah. And, uh, let's plan on a week from now. Cool. That sounds good, man. Well, it's uh, another great episode of Beyond Words. Beyond Words, episode eight in the eight. books. Woo. I'm still waiting to hear from iTunes. Like I submitted it weeks ago when I was in Lima. Really? Um, yeah, I guess. I mean, I've read that it can take them a long time to actually get it up, but uh, we are on Spotify now. 
And uh, as soon as it's up on iTunes, I'll let you know, and we can let the world know about it. Sounds good. We should. Sweet. Cool, brother. All right, man. Well, I love you, man. And uh, I love you too. Had everyone there for me, and I'm thinking of all of you. And uh, yeah, next week I'll be broadcasting live from Poland. So Woo-hoo! I'll have a new perspective for you there. I, I feel and like within the the podcast notes, you got to post pictures of your locations. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'll post a picture of my view. Uh, <laughs> quite different from yours. <laughs> awesome. Oh, okay. Cool, cool, dude. Bro. All right, love you, man. Love I'll you too, man. You, uh, next week. All right. Sounds good. Beyond words. Beyond words. <laughs> Later. Later.